Great afternoon, great afternoon, great afternoon. You are now listening to Beauty Inspired by Annette, a podcast that inspires all things beauty. Listen, guys, I'm so happy you were able to tune in today. Today is Freedom Friday. Freedom Friday. You already know what it is. You know what we do on Freedom Friday. This podcast, guys, is a podcast that is dedicated to honesty, truth, and give you guys the real deal. Uh, exactly what it takes to be successful and also what it is like to be a winner right so you already know listening to all these different episodes exactly what we talk about when we talk about winning so I just want to go ahead and get into it Um, I apologize right now because I know that some of the listeners was looking for the Freedom Friday last Friday And I want to personally apologize to you guys because last Friday I had a few things going on and I personally dropped the ball on that. So I was not able to come on. But don't you guys worry because today, today, today is a new day, right? Today is a new day. And of course it is Friday. So I am getting ready to drop a phenomenal guest right I know I say that all the time but y'all know what it is everybody that I pretty much connected to they are some amazing people so tonight's guest is one of my favorites and the reason why I say favorite is because um this gentleman is a gentleman who is a hard worker uh he inspires me by being a family man just with the knowledge that he has. And today, what we're going to talk about, which is why I wanted to have him on the podcast, is we're going to talk about, guys, a lot of helpful information that will pretty much help you in order to establish what does it really mean to be free and how when you allow yourself to be free, the financial portions of freedom, Okay, so I'm so excited for this guest to come on. He's also one of my high school classmates. So I'm so excited that I had a chance to um, really lock arms with him and really bring you guys this information. He is been in the human research department for eight years, which is why I want to talk to you guys tonight about um, a piece pretty much on financial portions. And um, I'm just so excited about it because he's a compensation consultant. So we're about to get into some amazing, amazing things today. And I just want you guys to really be blessed by it. I want you to open up your minds on um, a different level, right? So this one, of course, we've always talked about entrepreneurship, but this is going to be a little bit different because we're going to come to you guys and bring you guys the honest truth, right? And all of the segments have been the honest truth. So that's another thing about this podcast. But I want to talk about financial because it's so important, right? Financials, right? And when I say financials, we're pretty much talking about ding, ding, ding. You get it. Money, money, right? Um, Money is important because you need it in order to survive. But along with needing that money, I want you guys to really get the justifications on what to do with your money so that you won't find yourself working hard for the money, but rather the money comes to you. So I'm so excited about this because the information that the special guest is going to drop tonight, he's just going to bless you guys for this information. And like I said, I hope and I know that it's going to definitely help someone out there who's listening. Okay, so let me go ahead and just introduce you. His name is Gregory Carter. I've already told you guys that he's been in the human resource department for eight years and he is a compensation consultant. I pretty much know him from high school. We, um, I, I, I could pretty much tell y'all our high school that we went to. We went to Samuel High School, which is located in uh, Dallas, but it's in um, what we like to call sometimes a subdivision of Dallas. It's actually in Pleasant Grove. And so, yeah, I want to get into it because um, 
uh, back then uh, we're probably gonna talk a little bit about that too but uh we, we we just come from a different walk of life right so I'm so excited for him to come on and bring this information because of the career field he's in and we are just going to go ahead and get straight into it so that you guys will get exactly what it is that we want you guys to hear for tonight okay so you guys just hold tight I'm gonna go ahead and get him on the line just be patient and I'll be right back Great afternoon. Great afternoon. How are you doing today, Mr. Carter? Hey, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good and amazing. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Okay, great. Seems like I got a little bit of feedback there, but um, I'm so excited to have you on. So basically what I was doing was I was giving our listeners some information about your background and how I'm so excited to have you on here tonight because we're going to talk about a few things that is a little bit different from the other episodes and so I'm so excited to jump into it so if you don't mind why don't you go ahead and just get us started and set us off Um, I've already gave a little information didn't give a lot I did let our listeners know how we actually know each other but of course we're going to get more into that later on in this segment so give me about, um, just short, short, about five sentences, just let the audience know exactly who you are and uh, what part of the country you work from. Okay, so uh, like like you mentioned, my name's Greg, and I work in human resources as a compensation consultant for a company that performs revenue cycle management for hospitals. And what revenue cycle management is, is essentially billing and collections. And so the company, you know, we collect patient information, including insurance information, uh, and then we bill and collect on those accounts. I actually work uh, in Texas, uh, in Frisco, and uh, the office that I work out of is headquartered in Addison. Great, great, phenomenal. So since you did go ahead and drop that information, you know, right now with the COVID-19 going on, I just want to know, because um, you've been in that field for quite some time, I did let them know exactly how long you've been in that field. Um, right now, you told me that you've been in that field now for approximately eight years. Yeah. And I and I want to know, you know, with COVID-19 going on, how, how do you feel right now? You know, so everybody has varying opinions on, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing. Some people think it's not that big of a deal. Some people think that it is, I think. You know, it really just depends based on your particular situation. You know, me, myself, I'm a single dad. The only person who lives with me is my my 10-year-old daughter. Uh, You know, the COVID virus, while it is something that is definitely uh, a, a big issue, I think that, you know, for my particular situation, while we try to maintain social distancing, you know, and and protect ourselves, I don't think that uh, it it is as big of a deal for my personal situation, given that, you know, I'm not really around a lot of people who are either elderly or have a lot of underlying underlying, uh, medical conditions or pre-existing medical conditions. Yeah, so, but I mean, it's a scary thing though, you know, and it's also scary in a sense that, you know, it actually impacts one of the, the topics that, you know, we're going to talk about tonight, like the like the um, the way that the economy is going. You know, a lot of things are changing because of that. You got um, unemployment rates going up. You got uh, the stock market not doing so well, you know, as employers are, are doing things like furloughing and laying off um, their, their employees. So, you know, it's just kind of crazy out there right now. Right, right. So I I agree with you 100%. I mean, I think as long as everyone tends to do exactly like what the CDC is saying, just basically washing our hands, um, you know, if we are going to go out in the crowd, definitely wear your mask and just things like that. I do believe we will be able to get, you know, through this all together. So it's just a matter of everyone just getting on board and just making it happen. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. So um, with that being said, um, being a human resource manager and in somewhat of that medical field, what made you actually choose that career field? Because when we were in high school, I remember you doing a lot of the ROTC program and I thought that you were going to go into the military. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I actually, for the, for the longest, 
I wanted to go into the military when I was younger, but life happened. I actually, uh, I, I had a son before I graduated from high school and he was the reason I didn't go into the military. He was the reason why I stayed because I wanted to be around and I wanted to have a different kind of a relationship with him. And we probably could have had a, a, a decent relationship even if I had gone off to the military, but you know, it just wasn't in my personality to say, hey, you know, I got a son that's here back in the States and I'm somewhere in the world doing something and just not really establishing that relationship. You know, I, I went to college right out of high school uh, and then I stopped because, you know, those financial obligations in life, they came along and, and I got to a point where I couldn't finish. Uh, and um, so while I was going down that journey, you know, I, I decided that I wanted to work in HR to help, quote unquote, the people. Um, because in those, that past professional life that I had, I worked for companies where I felt like many of the leaders were doing things that were unethical. You know, whether it was doing things like showing nepotism or favoritism or outright mistreating their team members, you know, because they weren't part of some clique or some established group that they wanted them to be a part of. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to be a champion uh, for those who were in that type of situation, you know, that were being treated unfairly like like I was. And, you know, the funny part is once I became part of HR, I actually realized it wasn't really that I wasn't a champion for the people. Like I thought I was going to be. It really is more like being a mediator. And I say that because HR professionals don't necessarily um, side with the leaders, especially when they do things that are illegal. But we also don't always side with team members. What we do is, you know, we work with the leaders to help them run the business within the boundaries of the law by looking for biz looking at business practices and then also ensuring that the ones that we have are both legal and applied consistently so that we don't get into a situation where one person is being treated more favorably than, than another. We'll be back right after this. Great. Yeah, I, I'm really, really excited with that information that you just bought um, because that that right that piece alone just pretty much educated someone exactly on what it is that the human resource department does. And, and that's, that's great that you still decided to go into a field of that nature because I agree with you. Um, that is a major, major role in a lot of companies. And I think the way that you pretty much foresee it and took on that role that's exactly what I feel like um, working in some type of environment like that. That's exactly what it should be. It should be uh, quote unquote management and team members all working together to produce right. one entity. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. So and that, that's phenomenal that you bought it out that way. And, and that's exactly the way it is. But, you know, everybody has their own. Uh, thing that they want to work towards. You have some people that want this and other people that work that. And sometimes we have competing priorities. And, and like I said, HR is really there to kind of be a mediator uh, and kind of help us find that common ground. Right, right. And that's the, that's a really great point because that's how I've always kind of seen it. Like, the, like exactly what you said, finding a common ground. So with that being said, uh, would you say, uh, because you said you got into it to help the people, Basically, when you first went to school, do you feel like going to school and learning the information that you did learn and then going into that role, did it actually help you? Like, did it prepare you for that? Or you felt like, no, I got this on the on the job, like training and doing it. Um, so, you know, it's funny because I've actually worked for a leader uh, when I at one of the jobs that I worked for. Uh, great guy, great human resources officer. His name was Chris Burt. And one of the things that he had said is, you know, the skills that we use in our professional career, like 90% of it is learned on the job and 10% of it is, you know, something that you learn in the classroom setting. And, and that is so true. 
Um, but that said, you know, there is also something to to going to school and 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 having uh, the the foundation set. So there are things within HR that you um, are taught at school. Uh, you know, going through your colleges classes like compensation uh, and uh, what is it, uh, recruitment, selection, and placement, and um, and employee health and 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 things like that. So, you know, I, 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 there were things that I learned in those classes that I didn't necessarily have to acquire while I was working. It would have taken me a lot longer to learn these things through working than it would have if I had taken the class. So, you know, it really is kind of like a, a mixture 50-50, but I do think that going to school was very helpful, even if it wasn't for the knowledge that I got. It helped me become more of a team player uh, because you know, if I can be honest with you, it was always difficult for me to accept that I have to work on a team and I have to be okay with the result of the, whatever it is that we're working on, you know, knowing that, you know, John or James or Sarah or Karen or whomever was working on this too. And maybe they didn't put forth their best effort. So going to school kind of helped me learn how to navigate those relationships within a team. And it also helped me kind of you know, learn how to manage people and manage the expectations of a group before we even began a project and, and, and made me become more comfortable with, you know, letting some of the things go and then trusting that the process was going to work itself and then we'd all have, you know, a good result at the end of whatever it is we were working on. Wow. Wow. So, man, just so much honesty and truth right there. And you giving us a great life experience right there. Um, because I do know, I mean, I, I, I did go to school, my, my undergraduate, I think we talked before I graduated, I was going to North Texas, mm-hmm. and it, um, University of North Texas, that is in Denton, Texas. And it is so phenomenal that you bring up all this information tonight, because I remember having some friends um, when I stayed in the dorm rooms at Maple Hall. And they would talk about things like this. They would talk about um, later on the classes they had to take. And then they would, um, they basically majored in uh, BCIS, I think that's Business Communication Information System. So um, that's, just, that's just so phenomenal that you kind of brought all this up because, it, I mean, again, like you said, you don't get those classes until like your junior and senior year. And then yep. there you go. You are already getting that information, you know, blessed right there into your life. And you're able to apply those life experiences Whereas it was going to be junior and senior year before they went and got knowledge. And of course, they didn't get the exposure until after they graduated with the degree. So that's that's so phenomenal that you brought that up in honesty and truth. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. And and I was going to say, you know, I actually I graduated from UNT also. I I, I didn't start out there. I started out. I went to a junior college uh, out in Tyler. uh, It's TJC. And then I, from there, I went to UT Arlington. And then from there, I really just stopped going to school and went on a hiatus and didn't go back to school until life happened. And I lost the job that I had in 2011. And I said, you know, I have enough college credits to become uh, to be a senior in college. Why don't I just go back and, and get my degree and maybe I'll be more marketable? And I decided to go to UNT to finish and get my undergrad. And you know, and while I was there, I also took some classes at the the Dallas campus that they have out there in the southern part of Dallas. So I, I didn't know that about you, but yeah, we looks like you know we, we both went to the same school. <laughs> wow, so phenomenal, right? Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Thanks so much for your honesty, your truth. So- So with that being said, let's go ahead and get down to the bread and butter of this because I brought you on today and just hearing you speak is so amazing, so phenomenal because I gave the listeners just a little bit of information, right? right. Um, I didn't give them everything, but you know, we, we, we grew up in a different part of Dallas, right? <laughs> I told them that we grew up in the suburbs. So, well, we're in the suburbs. It's just a different subdivision to me. You're right. We went to 
we went to school there at Samuel High School, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're in Dallas, but we kind of consider it Pleasant Grove area. And just, um, it, it's so amazing because a lot of people might not know about the area in Dallas and different parts of Dallas, but I'm so glad to have you here because sometimes when you grow up in those type of areas, people will like to try to, um, how should you say, put a statistic on you, right? They yeah. put a statistic based a- off of what where you grew up that's exactly the case it's an urban area and it's definitely known as the hood you know it's no different than (laughs) it's no different than a place like oak cliff you know or or south dallas it was it was you know one of those places where you really had to like bite and claw and scratch your way to get out of there you know Right, right. And so I'm so excited to have you here on this podcast because um, it's just it's, it's, it's great because we grew up there, but we did exactly what you said. We actually fought and we found our way out of there. So that's why I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast because I want to get down and I want to talk about financial, right? Mm-hmm. The financial mm-hmm. piece of this. So with that being said, let's just switch gears for a moment, okay? I wanted to bring up our background because that's what's really important before we go into financial. So for our listeners out there who think that, oh my God, this might just be a little bit over my head, you got to keep in mind, this podcast, guys, inspires all things beauty. So I have amazing guests on here who brings you information from all different walks of life so that's why i wanted to come on and just pretty much present this and bring this amazing man here on this podcast so let's get into it mr carter let's pretty much talk about um i would like for you to just let's talk about money money management okay okay so so um i guess what i'm looking for is when you learn how to manage because you're a human resource, right? So of course you, mm-hmm. you know exactly what a person needs to do, right? I mean, right. Compensation, especially the compensation is money. Let's talk right. about to be honest. So when we talk about money, um, could you explain to the listeners um, how did you learn how to manage your money? Um, or, or what have you learned just from a financial standpoint? You know what I mean? Because I, I know that with your experience, you have a, a lot to pretty much drop on this particular sub. sub yeah. Topic. Yeah. So, you know, I, I learned how to manage my money basically before I even went, finished school. Before. Mr. Carter, hold yeah. on one second, one second for me. I was getting some feedback on that point. Let's okay. let's go ahead and let's let's back up for a second there. Okay. Um, I want you to just go into one more time for me. Back up for me. Yeah. Um, I, um, because I got a little bit, but I didn't get all of it. Okay. Yeah. So so what I was saying is, you know, most of it, the money management skills and and how, how to manage my my, my finances, I, I was self taught. You know, grew up in the hood and. You know, I had to had to learn on my own because I didn't grow up in a, uh, a neighborhood or even have a family that could have shown me the things that I needed to know in order to be successful at, at things like, you know, financial management. I remember like there was a time when uh, the person I was dating, uh, we, she and I had rented a house and I had just bought a car and we needed a refrigerator for this house. I had to borrow money from my sister and I am the type of person you know, I just don't like borrowing money from people. It, it's just, it hurts my pride to have to borrow money. I had to borrow money for a refrigerator for my family. And then there was another situation where uh, uh, banks, they used to be regulated a lot differently. And so they, the way they handled deposits and withdrawals, especially like if they came through on the same day, was different than the way that they handle it now. And, and I misbalanced the checkbook. We had bunch of uh, overdraft fees and, and things of that nature. We ended up, you know, talking to Bank of America. That's who we were banking with at the time and, and asked them to waive the fees because the money was there, but they applied the, the debits before they applied the credits and, mm-hmm. and they would not do it. And so, you know, things like that, it just made me say, you know, there has to be a better way, you know, to where I don't have to worry about, you know, having to borrow money from family members or worrying about, you know, moving money from here and there to barely cover whatever bills it is that I have. And then if I make a mistake, then I have these 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 overdraft fees and things like that. So, you know, what I did was I decided 
you know, how can I how can I improve what it is that I am doing? So I took a look at the very first thing that you can control, and that's the money that you spend. And hmm. instead of doing things, I, I started asking myself, instead of doing things like buying six pairs of Jordans a year or, you know, buying whatever I want, whenever I want, how about let's just buy one pair of Jordans a year, maybe two, and see if we can make it from that. And instead of buying everything that I want, how about buying the things that I just really want or really absolutely need? And, you know, the things that that are nice to have, maybe I can get them at some other time. And what I came to find out was those things that I thought that I really, really, really wanted, I didn't really need them so much. And, and having all those pairs of shoes or whatever clothes it was I was buying at the time, you know, it, it really did not mean as much to me. And over the course of time, it helped me get to a place where I could save more money and I could do things like go on a vacation, pay off debt and things like that. One of the things that I did was when I went back to college, I, I had student loans initially uh, and I paid them off before I went back to college because I was I was in the workforce for so long. Uh, but when I went back to college after I had gotten let go of my job, I actually did not stay, take any student loans whatsoever. I was collecting unemployment and all those unemployment checks that I received, I used that and, and paid it towards my tuition. I was luckily, I was lucky enough to be married to somebody who could help support the financial aspect of our household and we did not have to incur any additional debt with that. And so that that helped a lot too, you know. It just wow. really just look looking at those things that that um you know we could control and like I say get into a place where we could save money. And then after we got to a place where we could save money, then we started doing more things. Like for instance, we didn't have any retirement savings. And you know, once we had a little bit of money in our in our bank accounts in our pockets where we weren't living from check to check, we started increasing the contributions to our 401k accounts, you know, and because that's money that's set aside for retirement, you know, and, and people don't think about that part of life, you know, when it's like 20, 30, 40 years down the line, you know, you think, yeah, I have time, I have time until you don't have time. Right. And so, right. you know, we just we just had to make ourselves become more disciplined and 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 be more thoughtful and deliberate about what it is that we were doing so yeah a lot of it was really just looking at what i was spending my money on you know what the family was spending the money on and then saying hey you know we have an opportunity here to cut back and if we cut back here we can reallocate those funds to something else you know whether it's a vacation or saving so i mean really it was just self-taught Wow. Wow. How amazing. Wow. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that point, because um, like you said, just growing up in a different household, in a different environment, you are not taught that you are not taught how to manage money. And then for some of us who like you and I, we did go to school, you know, and, and you're right. Taking out student loans is a, a whole nother entity of debt. Right. And yeah. then let's not talk about when you do come out and you get your degree, you think, oh, wow, I'm be making all this money and mm -hmm. come to find out. I remember my, my first degree is in family studies. Right. So when I came out and I double binder, I, my first, my BS Bachelor of Science is in um, family studies. And then I double minored in history and sociology. So I just knew that when I came out, I was going to be making over fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. And then back in that time, which is so phenomenal that you bring this up. I mean, I, I can still remember it like yesterday, 2004, 2005, getting out. And um, if you even wanted to go into the education realm, right? Teachers were only making about thirty to 33000 a year. 36, but 36 was only if you were in a good school district. Right. I mean, that that is just so, so crazy. So it, it, it's interesting you bring this up because, like I said, I, I'm just like you. I did not know anything about money management, how to handle money. And it's life. Life experience taught me a lot about money management. And I can admit I'm still <laughs> playing on those student loans. But it's definitely helpful when you are able to really get a home of what you are doing with your money because like you said it is it is a lot of frivolous spending that you can be doing mm -hmm. and then yep. investing it in other opportunities yep. so, and, you know i was gonna say i was actually fortunate when i got out of school because i was making i was 
my the when I my last semester in college, I was doing uh, uh, I was working in, in IT in a help desk, Ooh. and I was making something like I think it was thirty six thousand dollars a year. I don't remember what the hourly rate was at the time, but I was fortunate to pick a a uh, a major that would lead me to a field that actually you know paid halfway decent. When I got out of college, I went from making thirty six thousand a year. I graduated in December, and in January, I got my first HR job, and it was fifty thousand dollars a year. And, wow! Yeah, and 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 you know they wanted to pay me less than that, and this is something I learned in school. In my uh, one of the, my human resources management class, one of my instructors told me uh, that when you apply for a job, you should always negotiate salary. And what she Ooh. said was that's something that minorities and and women fail to do. Oftentimes, is we somebody gives us an offer, we say, "Oh wow, that's a lot of money. Uh, I'm gonna take it." And we don't even know that we could be potentially shortchanging ourselves. And that a lot of the times companies, they actually set aside money because they anticipate candidates are going to uh, counter anyway and, and, and try to negotiate a higher salary. And that was exactly what I did. They offered me, I think it was 45 and I countered it 50 and they gave it to me no problem. So, you know, there's, wow. also, there's also that part of it. And that was, again, something I learned when I was in college. And that's not something they teach you in high school. That's not something my, my parents would have told me or, you know, I, I've heard it from aunts and uncles, but I've only heard it here as I have been an adult, not like while I was growing up, if, if that makes sense, you know? Right, right. I agree with you. I, I mean, that's exactly why when I got out, bringing that up, uh, that's exactly why, to be honest with you, I became a licensed insurance agent because they were willing to pay me starting off 43000 yeah. So when I so when I looked at it, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute now. And I ended up, you know, of course, getting into the licensed insurance agent. I did property and casualty. And you're right. That's exactly what I, I did. And that's what I was looking for. But I, I feel like now, like you said, as an adult, you definitely, once you learn how finances work and how money works and what your worth is, because now we're talking about your worth. You yep. definitely, definitely can always a higher, higher pay, and, and just just keep in mind that yeah, there there is a possibility if you don't ask, you you, you don't know. <laughs> Another quick break. Enjoy this music. So that's that's it. That's great that you brought up that information there. So since yep. we talked about that, let's switch gears real quick. When we talked about investing, okay. you already mentioned just mm-hmm. different things that you can do. I like the fact that you mentioned family vacation. I know your family I already told the listeners about that. But then mm-hmm. uh, there's also because uh, what, what about some of the listeners who who may not um, have a family right now, right? And then there's some that may, but some of them may not have a family right now, and so. They may think, oh, yeah, I've been doing all these vacations. I'm kind of tired of that. I'll just drop just a little information as to they do with their money when we're talking about investing. Because you're right, buying um, material, right, material possessions, that's just going to be something right now, right? But let's yeah. get into what else could a person do with their money um, as far as investing. So, you know, when you look, think about things like investing, uh, a lot of the times we don't really see the value in it. And by we, you know, I'm talking about, you know, and I don't want to dog us being minorities, you know, people of color or things of that nature. But a lot of times we don't have the knowledge about what we should do with, you know, our discretionary income. Right. Uh, the money that we have that's you know, extra and excess of what we need to pay our bills and then, you know, live comfortably. And one of the things that, you know, uh, another class in society does with their excess money is they invest it right and that's how they build what you call generational wealth and and that's that's not just being rich or having enough money for you but that's like building something for you know your kids and then your kids kids and so on and so forth if uh, a person would have invested something like a thousand dollars in amazon back when it went public back in the the late 90s they would have roughly about 10 million dollars today 
you right. know, and you know, to go from a thousand dollars to to ten million dollars, you know, that's that's pretty substantial. That that can set your family up for a lot, you know. Right. And and, and so you know the way the way that I looked at it is, you know, as we got you know a, an additional income or as we had extra money from from savings, what we decided to do was look for other ways where we could put our money to work for us. And so um, the first the way that I first kind of got into investing was that first HR job that I had. It was in compensation or is in compensation and benefits, and I sat in these four hundred one k committee meetings. And in that meet in those meetings. Um, they talked to our 401k vendors about the the funds that were in our 401k portfolio. And I learned things like, you know, expense ratios and, mm-hmm. and, and how to, to determine whether or not a fund was doing good or bad. And the way that that relates to investing is, you know, those were just mutual funds, you know, that we would put in our portfolio for, you know, employees to to invest in. And that's all a 401k account is. It's an investment account. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I took that knowledge that I learned there and I applied it to my personal life when I had, you know, some more discretionary income. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so I started to look around. Uh, I started out really looking at uh, mutual funds because I knew how they worked better than individual stocks. And all a mutual fund is it is a portfolio of individual stocks that's managed by a money manager. So mm-hmm. essentially you actually have somebody managing a, a portfolio of stocks for you to help give you a return on your investment. And and so, you know, when you look into investing, things that you want to take a look at are, you know, the expense ratios, if it is a mutual fund, you know, and that's basically an annual fee for, for managing that account. You want to look for funds that have a high rate of return. And the other thing to keep in mind is, just because a stock performed very well this year doesn't mean that they perform well the next year. Everybody, any financial advisor will tell you there's always risk with investment, mm-hmm. uh, and and past performance is is no indicator of you know how that 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 fund or how that stock will perform in the future. But you know, it, again, it's 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 all a risk. And and one of the pieces of advice that I would give investors who are investing for the first time is. Uh, invest the money that you have that you are okay with if it weren't to turn out the way that you hoped that it would. And the reason that I say that is because, you know, you got companies like JCPenney. People put a lot of money in a JCPenney stock and at some point it was worth a lot of money and now it's worth next to nothing, right? right. And, and so, you know, and you never really know when, when to take it out. That, that said, you know, you also don't want to look at your stock portfolio every single day because it will drive you nuts, especially especially in times like the ones we have now where the stock market just isn't doing so well. Right. You know, if, if you look at things like the Dow, the trend of the Dow over the past 20, 30 years, it's always an upward trend. It, it, there's always peaks and valleys where, you know, it goes up and it comes back down. But really, you know, investing is really a long term deal. It's it's not something that you want to do in the short term. And and in fact, uh, if you are investing short term, they have people that that do something called day trade. It can really burn you. And and I'll tell you, I've been burned, too. I, I felt like I could outsmart uh, a stock and I was going to short sell it. And the short sell is basically selling it when. You know, you see it going down before it hits the bottom and then, you know, you try to buy it before it goes back up. My gosh, I remember one day uh, I sold a stock. It was at thirty eight dollars a share and, and it was looked like it was trending down. It got down to thirty six dollars a share, thirty seven dollars a share. And then I stopped looking at my computer. And when I look back at the computer, it was forty two dollars a share. I said, oh, my gosh. I, I, I should have stayed in, but instead I sold it. So I went back in and I bought the stock back with the money that I had gotten when I sold it. And this is all in one day, 42. Then it started to go back down again. And I said, ah, okay, I got it this time. This time it's really going to go down. So it went down to like 37 again, which was lower than when I sold it for the first time. Sold it again. Lo and behold, it went back up. It went back up to 45. Wow. And I, and I said, you know what? I can't do this. So I got back. I reclaimed the position in that in that one stock. And I ended up losing something like two or three thousand dollars that day. And wow. and that was that's one of the ways you can get burned by just like I say, just trying to 
look at something and, and say, hey, you know, I can predict what it's going to do over the next hour or the next 30 minutes or whatever. Investing really is. It really is a, a long term vehicle for, uh, you know, uh, building wealth. It's, it's not something where you're just going to get rich overnight. Right, right. And I'm so excited that you bought that up because um, when, when you start talking about things of that nature, the stock and the market and, you know, really watching it, you are correct. That's exactly what it seems like. And and, and, and no one really has. Well, well, some people do. There are people who do this like for a living. But when you think about it, 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 it is it can definitely just take your mind on a whole different spin. So that's why when I look at stock. You know, um, I know right now um, I, I have my 401k. I have my 401k switched over, so now I'm working with an IRA, and that's mm-hmm. just for right now because you know uh, I am well with what you just said. You know, if I decide that I want to pretty much start investing it, because right now it, it makes money, but you, it doesn't make that much money. You know what I mean? So if I right. wanted to start taking some of the putting it in the stock market, you know, I always um, because I'm in a group. You know, um, where we pretty much talk about stocks and what to do with and, and, and the group. We already know that it's a long term thing. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, start by buying small, kind of like what you said, the stock of what I've learned the group. And, and this is why I'm in that group. So I can educate myself on when I decide I money out and I definitely want to start managing the money myself. I want to make sure that the position, like you said, that it is right, you know, um, right. not looking for, okay, I'm about to get rich right now. No, I right. want to do the research on the company. I would like to definitely know, like, who's the CEO, what have they been doing, you know, like reports. So it is definitely something that's worth doing. And like you said, it's that generational wealth that you're really looking to send and for mm-hmm. uh, family you know that's that's a really great way to go but um let's talk a little bit more about um a monthly budget how do you mm-hmm. feel about the monthly budget um because that that could be a, a great part to start you know for some people who want to probably learn a little bit more about their 401k and things like that we're going to give out your information i know you pretty much don't do a lot of that but they might be just wanting to speak to you just about a few things you know so but let's talk about real quick about like a budget what can you pretty much establish like for as a monthly budget like what should be important for right now especially right now so so right now really the the most important thing is you know to pay whatever bills it is that you have that, that you can right uh if possible try not to carry any debt and if you can you know, or if you're in a situation to be able to do so and you have credit card debt, you know, it's better to not carry a balance if 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 you if you can. Right. We're not all able to pay off, you know, credit card balances in full every month. But if you can pay what you can. That said, you also want to um, l- look at what you spend, spend whatever you have to to pay your bills and then whatever you have left. Use that um, to save or use that to invest something. If you do, we have a bunch of uh, uh, no fee uh, apps out there that you can use to start investing things like Robinhood or Stash. And, you know, even some of the bigger brokerage firms are starting to come along because a lot of people are putting their money into those 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 other uh, smaller uh, companies like companies like Fidelity and TD Ameritrade, even Chase has a has an online investing tool called you trade. And that's actually what I use. Um, that you can use and you, you can have no fee transactions when you buy and purchase stock. And and what I would do is I would put my money probably in a the whatever money that I have that I've saved from the budget that I had that I established. You know, I would I'll probably start out putting some money in something like a, a mutual fund. And the reason I say this is because you can spend whatever you want in it. So let's say you saved a hundred and ninety dollars. You didn't buy a pair of Jordans this month. And you want you want to invest. You can invest that whole hundred and ninety dollars in a mutual fund, where if you and it's being managed by a professional. Right. Uh, whereas if you invest in a stock, if that stock is like I don't know forty fifty dollars a share, 
you know, you might only be able to buy um, two or three shares of that stock. And then you still have money like left over that that's in that account. that's like really doing nothing. But the, the mutual fund will allow you to purchase uh, a, a portion of a share instead of just whole share amounts. So, you know, that's that's kind of and again, because it's managed by people who are paid to do that. That's probably one of my, my biggest pieces of advice of what, a, you know, an individual who is new to investing could do with money that they've saved from from their budget. And also when looking at that, it's important to look at not only the, the rate of return for the, the mutual fund, but also the expense ratio, because that tells you how much that that um, that mutual fund is going to cost you. Because people do pay, they do manage it, but they also have to charge a fee to manage it. And it's not a fee that like Chase is going to charge you or anything. It's a it's a fee that the company that's managing the fund uh, uh, charges. And it's usually some really small number, something like if you invest a thousand dollars, they may want like a dollar or something like that. Uh, and, and so, so you know, that's something else to kind of, kind of look at. But yeah, I mean, what I would do is just kind of limit the spending on to you know the things that you absolutely need, and and then save the rest. And like I say, in my case, you know, I limited the spending on the things that that I felt like I could. And after so long, I felt like those things that I thought I needed, I didn't really need anymore. They weren't really that big of a deal to me. Wow. Wow. So much heat, so much knowledge you just dropped right now. I'm telling you, whoa, (laughs) I'm so excited. Wow. I'm telling you, man, we can go on all day about information. I'm telling you tonight and today has just been phenomenal. (laughs) I tell you because the information alone, you guys, you definitely need to pay attention to this. You definitely want to make sure that you are putting your money in the right places. And just as Mr. Carter just said, start small, you know, start small, start saving, you know. And if right now is not the time that you're ready to actually do exactly what we're talking about, I like the uh, aspect of what you gave about, like you said, a a monthly budget, using Mm -hmm. your money on what you need right now. And then... If this is something you want to get into, yeah, there, there's individuals out there that pretty much can handle that. So I'm so excited about that. So with that being said, let's just go ahead. I have one more question I need to ask you because you've already dropped so much heat, so much fire. Um, I'm definitely going to look forward to bringing you the podcast again uh, because I know this information is going to blow someone. I'm telling you, I can already tell right now, I'm definitely going to have her again to bring you back here in the next six months or so. Um, okay. It's going to be interesting to see how everything thing pans out especially when we get out of this pandemic but let's talk about winning would you consider yourself a winner um so you know know, when i think about that you know you see when you think winner you say okay you're either a winner or you're not and if you're not a winner you're a loser that what was it there was a movie talladega nights (laughs) ricky bobby said if you ain't first you're last and (laughs) I would tell you this, you know, I would tell you this. I don't necessarily consider myself a winner, but I don't consider myself a loser. And the reason I say that is because the race is not finished yet. But I but I am placing well. I'm I'm up there. I'm in the lead. You know, I'm positioned. I am positioned to win the race. But because the race is not over, I can't really say that I'm a winner. At the moment I call myself a winner, you know, I relax, I, I take my foot off the gas and then, you know, life or whatever will pass me up. And then, you know, I don't I don't meet the goal that I'm trying to accomplish. So so the race is not over. I say it's too soon to call at the moment, but but I'm there. I'm, I'm in a position to to where I will be that person who is victorious in this race. Right, right. I'm so bad. No more. Say no more. Right. Say no more. <laughs> that is that is everything. That's what I needed to hear because you have summed it up in a whole nutshell. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Thank you so much for this information. Before we go ahead and close this podcast, let's go ahead and give our listeners today your information, if you don't mind. I'm sure um, I'm definitely going to have some requests just about, you know, just some information you were talking about. And I like the fact that you do have a little bit of knowledge in this. Now, I know that you probably don't want to, like, advise anybody of anything, but I love the fact 
but at least there is a person who's going to give you some honesty and truth, you know, and then we'll right. be able to, them to pretty much go and, you know, pretty much reach out to the help that they're needed. So what is your information? Let's go ahead and start, if you don't mind, um, your yeah. platforms. Let's uh, let's have your platform meet you. Yeah, so, you know, a, a person can reach out to me. The easiest way to, to reach out to me is on by email because I'm, I'm on social media, but not really on there a lot, okay. uh, except LinkedIn. You know, that's a professional site. So I'm, I'm on there. Someone can reach out to me, Gregory Carter on LinkedIn. Uh, you'll see me as a compensation consultant there in the Frisco, Texas area. But uh, also, uh, if someone wants to reach me via email, they can. My email address is gregory.carter at live.com. That's L-I-V-E dot com. Uh, and, you know, anybody who wants to reach out to me, they, they absolutely can. Uh, and I'll work to respond to them as, as soon as I can. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for that. So I'm so excited. I'm happy. I know I'm saying that so much, but I'm telling you, I, this is just exactly what I needed the listeners to hear tonight. This podcast all about honesty and truth and I'm pretty much just inspiring people, inspiring people to be better, you know, be better individuals than the day you were before. And just always like you just cl- closed the remark about winning. You just said, I'm, I'm up there with the please not over but at that point along it's just that we can close and we're back right there so if you have anything else to say i am pretty much going to close the podcast thank you guys so much for being here tonight thank you guys for listening please share this information please bless someone please bless them and let them know that this podcast guys is going to give you everything that you need this tonight information was a little bit too much for you then definitely God share it with someone else because as Mr. Carter talked about today he was talking about building generational wealth right we're talking about moving forward with your future here okay and right now it seems like everything is a blur everything is kind of like coming together where you're just like I, I, I don't know what to do well just drop some major hints on what you could do at this present moment instead of letting the pandemic pretty much pan you right so I'm so excited uh, I'm excited this information out and we're going to close it right there and I will talk to you guys later thank you so much Mr. Carter and we look forward to having you again and guys I'm out of here and thank you so much and we'll talk to you on the next podcast Thank you.